Hey everyone, it's Dijon. Hope you're all doing well. I just wanted to say if you're a part of this community and you want to see it grow, please subscribe and follow this channel wherever you are listening. Give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share it with the homies. Thanks. Welcome to the Souls of Society community. We're building a new world here. It's based on connection, compassion, and collaboration. Join us as we explore how to create a new earth. Enjoy the Heart Center conversation. I'm Dijon. Welcome to the tribe. Bless. Hello, Souls Tribe. I'm here with a longtime friend, Mira Megs Lathrop. Hi, Mira. Hi, Dijon. Hi, hi, Tribe. So we became friends years ago when we were both living in the Bay Area, which neither one of us live there anymore. I live in San Diego and she lives in New York City, but we've stayed connected and have both been continuing to you know, create new things that we hope will inspire people and help them step into more of their full selves. So it's been a month or two since we've connected, so I'm excited to hear what's been alive for you. The last time we connected, it was right before you had a bit of a health scare and you told me you were going in for some surgery and, you know, sending my prayers and I know that you came out of the other side of it, but we haven't really dropped in about it. So I would love to hear what that was all about and what your experience was like first. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank, thank you. And thanks off the bat. As you said that I was, I felt the appreciation I had that you were so responsive and appreciate and prayerful and understanding of it. When I sent you a message sort of, you know, rather abruptly letting you know a big change had, was happening for me. So you were, you're one of the first people I sort of needed to come out and say what was going on because we had something we were working on. So thank you for your just wishes during that and being just connected energetically as that unfolded. And I'm also in a fun way, I actually am kind of nervous because I actually haven't, I've only shared what happened with that with my family mm. and one or two friends. And it largely because right when that journey completed that I'll share about, Corona started. And there just hasn't been a chance for me to finish processing it and share with people. So I'm actually delighted and sort of excited myself to see how this feels reflecting back on those. It was about a three-week period. Mm, cool. Thank you. Yeah. So, so what happened was I went in actually for a mammogram. I turned 40. And I, when you turn 40, it's time to get a mammogram. And so I went in and I got the, uh, a message back that it was irregular and highly concerning. I needed to come back in. So I went in for a second one and on the spot, they gave me back the results. And first off, I mean, I haven't spent time in a hospital before or much time inside mm -hmm. of Western medicine and also in New York City. I didn't even really have a doctor. So this was a whole experience of being in an unfamiliar place and having kind of unfamiliar conversations. But on the second appointment, they said, wow, we see something really concerning. It's 90% likely that it's cancerous. 
Uh, it's the size of a centimeter and you need to get an emergency biopsy like as fast as you can. So I was at the receptionist scheduling this appointment and they were scheduling me for a month out. And I had to say that I said to them, you know, my doctor just said, who I just met, <laughs> that, you know, this needs to be right away. And they said, no, nope, doesn't say that on the paperwork. We'll see you in a month. And I said, you know, that's just not really landing for me. Would you mind just checking with the doctor? She might've forgotten to note the emergency level. She said it was to me. So the woman went back, came back about five minutes later and said, how about noon tomorrow? And I said, okay, great. Sounds good. And canceled probably my conversation with you and a few other things that were that very next day and walked the seven blocks to the hospital I was going to. And I had, you know, I wore the pink robe and my cousin came with me and I had my essential oils and I went in for this biopsy. Well, I had to wait two weeks for the results to come back. And during that time, I, I, so I was basically told 90% you have cancer and 90% you're going to need to get a major surgery. So waiting for my results. And in that time, I opened up so much to my family and sharing with them what was going on that I was flooded with this experience of receiving support and love. And I, I remember feeling so vulnerable in my physical body for like the first time in my life. I'm like used to feeling strong, real strong and also acting strong. I'm used, I was an athlete, you know, all through high school and college. So physical injuries have not, you know, phys physical health scares had not been a part of my life. So I faced all sorts of fears that were coming up around my life and wow, like, is this going to be the spiritual path that I'll be living? Like one of overcoming cancer and overcoming, you know, all the things that that might include. So I opened up to all this love and this process happened where I spent, I faced my fears of death, my fears of uncertainty, my fears of if people would be there for me, like my fears of like, will I need to shave my head and, and take medicine and have chemo or do the alternative path or find some combination of both. And it, it went on to Valentine's Day, where I had received lots of love, lots of support. On Valentine's Day, I got a phone call that said, you do need to get um, a surgery. And as soon as you can get it, we're not sure. It's, we can't tell by the size of the biopsy. But it looks like it's improving. Like it looks like, you know, but we, we, you need to go in. So I got a surgery a week later, and this is where I'll sort of wrap up and pause I went in for a major surgery and I've never had a surgery. And I, I was told that, you know, I would be fine about, you know, a few hours later, that it was a common procedure. So I went in for the surgery, which includes going in under anesthesia. And I came out of the surgery and I couldn't stand. And I had like experience, my body was going through like PTSD symptoms, like on just a physical level, not on a psychological level, but my physical body felt very aware that it had been like invaded and cut into. And there was also like a lot of physical evidence of that. And I had before, months before going in for the surgery, I had done a lot of deep cleansing and detoxing. And so I think the effects of the anesthesia on me were really profound because I am sensitive, my system was really clean and anesthesia can have a really significant impact on some people. So we can go into different parts, but just to paint the landscape, I was in bed for three weeks and I couldn't walk and I couldn't move. And I think the universe, life, God just put me 
I was laying there and laying there and laying there until I got to just a complete still point where I was just in complete acceptance with what was. And I was just had to completely surrender because for the first time in my life, I actually, I couldn't even walk around the block. I couldn't stand up for more than 20 seconds without just tons of pain. And this wasn't even about if I had cancer or not. It was just recovering from the surgery. So, but I continued my inner work and I continued things that I know people have done who have healed themselves from things, visualizations, meditating. And during this period, several intuitives that I had known that are intuitive coaches and mediums who I hadn't probably talked to in three or four years, synchronously both called me during this time while I was laying in bed. And they both said to me, you have been on my mind. What is going on? And, you know, I hadn't talked to anyone. And I talked with them and through a process of what was going on for me on a different level, what was going on for me psycho-spiritually that was manifesting as perhaps some irregular cells in my body. And we explored the meaning of like where it was near my heart, near my lungs, on my breast, in a very vulnerable feminine area. And my process was one of really realizing my need to like nurture myself and actually open up kind of that deepest, most vulnerable area to life to be met and to not just be in a giving or a demonstrating. And, and I'm not meaning to say I'm a saint just giving. I'm saying that as like a habit, you know, and to really bring that energy back in, like back into my chest, like back into my heart, like into my breath, into my lungs, into breathing, just like letting life come to me and receive. And so I walked myself through some deep meditations. I, I had a very powerful experience where my mom supported me in a profound way. I don't even think she knows the depths of it yet. But during this time, I actually had some, it was financially a bit clunky because I was having big medical bills that insurance wasn't covering. And I was not working. And I was living in New York. and. I was concerned, like not to be maintaining my business. And my mom demonstrated an interest and acted on supporting me with something financially. And I broke down into tears, sobbing like a six-year-old, like wailing on the phone completely unexpectedly. And it was like, I was so raw and so open in this very vulnerable way and to receive this motherly love. And it it didn't necessarily need to be through a financial contribution and support, but because that does demonstrate like a very root level of support, a very deep sense of security, a, a way that it was like such a tangible way that I could be helped that I've like never allowed myself to be supported in before, you know, I've like prided myself and always being financially independent and taking care of myself and, not letting my family ever support me in that way or anyone. <laughs> so that happened. And about two days later, I get the call from the surgeon and he said, it's the weirdest thing. We took out this mass. And I, you know, when I saw that it was a mass when he left the hospital, he had told me he was very concerned, but he didn't talk to me for long because I was completely out of it. But he said it was a hard mass. Like there's, it had to have been something but we got the pathology back and it's nothing. It's just these, it's called this type of, it's a little bit of a scarring, but you're fine. 
And I said, you know, and I was thrilled and relieved, right? At this point, but I was in such a process of my own process that like, I, you know, I was so thankful and thrilled to hear the news. I mean, all he cared about was the news. I, though, was still digesting this whole thing I had gone through for a three or four week period, which, you know, I didn't share with him necessarily, but it was like, okay, but I have to be honest with you, Dijon. By the time I got the information that it was nothing, it was almost like it, that didn't, the outcome didn't matter. I think I, and actually I'm just noticing this talking to you now. I think I got so detached from the outcome because I so took on that there was something to uncover and I accepted. Of course, I would have been hugely disappointed and had to work through that if it was other news. But I got to a place where I was like just facing what it was and I was going to go through it no matter what. And I think I had been with the worst case scenario. I became acquainted with it in a way that I never had before, probably my deepest fear coming up. And I received this love and I received this support that I felt like I just was celebrating the completion of the journey. It wasn't even the news. And I've had to have people remind me even since when I have like, you know, there's scars and I think of all that I went through. It's like, but you don't have the C word. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know. Okay. Because it was just this huge thing. So, so that um, day I got that news, Dijon, was I think around March 9th or so. And pretty much Corona, and especially here in New York, the orders to stay home and not go anywhere started around March 12th. So right as I completed this journey of body health, heroin's journey of overcoming and really getting to the root of what was going on spiritually, it was, you know, got taken, we got taken out into another vision quest, into another period of staying in and staying home and going inward. <laughs> wow. That's uh, an amazing story with lots of layers and richness. And thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for letting me share. It's, it's medicine for me to account on it. You know, when we're so in something, we're not, we're not in the awareness of our experience. You know, that was an experience that I was in. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was in that experience with occasional moments of awareness of it. Mm -hmm. So this is nice to now be aware of that experience that I've gone through and not have it be what I'm like facing right now mm. as a daily reality. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So there were lots of things that stuck out, you know, over the course of you sharing all that. Sure. But <laughs> I guess one is just the idea that everything is created on the spiritual plane first. Yeah. So it's just a very like tangible example of that. And that, you know, as you said, maybe the lack of like fully openness or receptivity was what was causing this blockage or this like buildup of like negative energy. And, mm -hmm. and that it took a lot of like, surrender and stillness to get to the point when you were in acceptance of one just the reality of like what your body was like reflecting to you and what it was asking of you and then to a point where you weren't like focused on why it happened or what was going to happen you were just focused like purely in the in the present experience of it and trying to understand yeah. the communication yes and communication yes yeah and then once you had this experience of your intuitive telling you that 
there was more openness you could have to life and like especially in your like innermost parts and in your like chest and heart and that you know different healers reached out that hadn't reached out in a while to check in on you and then you know your mom offered this really powerful support to you that really like unblocked something or Ooh, you know opened up yeah. this like waterfall of oh, energy yeah. and experience and Floodgates. that was all in the time of like when you were waiting to get the results so even though there was a you know they say energy can't be created or destroyed but also that it's like not bound by physicality so maybe the energy that they took out of you was dense and it did have this kind of like dis-ease and sickness but since you were working to heal it on like other dimensions of your being you know maybe that transformed the energy that they were even looking at so that there was like nothing there or it was like it was cleansed Yes, definitely. It was in like quantum space. Like it was outside of time and space, the experience. It felt very nonlinear. Mm. It really did. It did. And I love that you just said something that reminded about a communication. Another thing I want to acknowledge that played a big role is in a leadership uh, program I was in at the time, and I still am, but the theme was completion. So we had a quarter before that was about possibilities. This quarter was about completion. And so when it came up and I got the news that I likely had, you know what, and I started to think about my life and what could be response, what had I been up to or what had been a part of my history that could be responsible for why that was manifesting in my body, I declared out loud that this wasn't going to be an ongoing conversation I was going to be in about with my body and with doctors, but that this was going to be a completion conversation. And it wasn't like this moment of Dijon where I was like being this confident warrior. It was like, I actually just had that come over me. It was like the idea, the, the possibility that it could be a completion conversation just resonated like peacefully. Like this is coming up to be completed. This isn't coming up to, destroy me or hurt me. It's coming up to get complete. And so it really was a conversation. So I went in with each thing that came up as a, this is to get complete on this. This is to get complete on my relationship to whatever Western medicine. This is to get complete on this part of this wound, this aspect that's here. And that was really magical because I, I'd, I'd never had that experience before. And the, piece that one of the intuitives actually helped me uncover was they said, you know, what's showing up in your body is something you've actually worked a lot on. You've resolved it probably 90%, but there's just this real micro compensation that you're making in your alignment, in your energy field, in your body to like, you know, not receive it's, you have this slight reaction from a trauma, from a wound, from the past. It isn't in your, you're not coming in your full, you know, natural expression. Mm -hmm. so I really got to the core of that slight compensation I was making and I could visualize just like this little teeny dark spot. And so I also knew inside myself that I could probably go without getting, maybe I didn't, this was even as I was going into the surgery, I was like, well, this is so interesting. I'm actually getting a surgery. Like when I looked at it from time, like outside of time. And I think I, my higher self even 
let let the surgery be the physicalization of taking out the final physical residue. Kind of like what you were saying, like, was there something there? Was there not when it was taken out? But I felt like it was an act of completion to just actually have it also fully taken out to be totally complete on a Mm. mind, body, spirit, physical level to go Mm. forward. So it was like it was a spiritual surgery, including the physical component. Yeah, I hear you. I've... I feel like I've had many spiritual surgeries in my life <laughs> from many different beings and I definitely understand that. And it feels like if we're in communication with our bodies, you know, on a daily moment to moment basis, then these things don't build up. Yeah. Because I've been recognizing the growth and the healing that I've done and also the communications that my body has been giving me like one thing I've been trying to call into my life more, one thing I am calling into my life more mm-hmm. is having the same sort of presence in my nighttime bedtime ritual as I do in my morning ritual. Because in, in, the, in the morning, like first thing I do is like meditate, then like hot lemon water, and then mm-hmm. yoga and breath work, and then sometimes journaling or going for a walk and listening to like some podcasts or spiritual texts. And it's like, like I spend hours doing this and it puts me in such a great place. But then going to sleep, a lot of the time it's like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll binge watch a show and like eat some chips and like fall asleep on the couch and then, you know, wake up and then go to bed, like brush my teeth and go to bed. And it doesn't seem like, oh, that's not that big of a deal, especially from some of the lifestyle choices I used to make. But for instance, last night, I had finished the show, right? And you know how shows always end on these cliffhangers. Yeah. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like, am I going to watch another one or, <laughs> or am I going to go to bed? Like, it's, it's like 10, 30, 11. I could go to bed now and that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, maybe I'll watch it. I'll watch another one. And then I had this shooting pain in my leg. Oh. And it wasn't like crippling, but it was there. I was just like, mm. oh, like that's a don't watch it. You know, that's like <laughs> a get off the couch, right? And I watched it anyways. I was like, nah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna watch. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, is I feel like our body mm-hmm. communicates in these like subtle ways all the time about what is in alignment and, and like what will bring us into to balance and harmony. And then when we ignore it, like I did, then it's like, well, you're not listening. So Mm. I'm going to communicate louder, you know? Yes. And it's not, it's not about punishment, you know, it's about harmony. So it's just like getting your attention to bring you into harmony. So it's like when you have an experience like this, and some sort of intensity that that forces you to be like super present and to like make yeah. yourself love and your healing a priority and then you kind of come to this zero point yes. right of like of of alignment and like balance and harmony and i think the thing that i'm really integrating over the past couple of years is like that zero point is a completion point in a way but it's also not right? It's a completion point of that process, but you're not done. You're never done. That point is like getting a fresh 
haircut and having a fresh shave and taking a shower, right? Because like, <laughs> right after that moment, you're like, damn, I feel good. Like I'm clean. I look good. Right. But like a week later, you know, yeah. you, need, you need to get another haircut or you need to do whatever. Or like every day you have to take a shower. Every day you have to shave. You know, it's, it's, yep. it's not like you're done. So learning to appreciate the process of Yes. Like honoring all of your experience, whether that be your body and like honoring your temple or honoring the space that you live in or, you know, mm -hmm. honoring the plants that you have in your house with the way you relate to them and keeping them watered and fed. It's just like being a steward of life. Yes. Right? Yes. And an ongoing practice. I, I think those peak moments that maybe we remember more are just these really deep practices. It's a deep part of the contour of our awareness coming back into that center point. And then we get to keep doing it. But maybe the dance gets to, maybe there's moments the dance is more graceful when we're really in tune and listening and coming back to that center place. And, and even when it's not, you know, I led a workshop actually last week and it was all about the what's so, being with what is. And I also now, what that gave me actually facilitating that experience is Whatever it is, I'm completely just, I feel like it's a practice of just being with what is. So even when I'm kind of off to the side and I'm not back to my center, that's just what is. Right. It's just what is. It's just what's so and so what. And I notice it and I come back. So there's something sort of coming over me that I'm having less judgment, less attachment as I'm staying just as a, I'm, maybe I am more aware of where I'm at. And I don't have as much fear or concern come up. And I think that is helping me just sort of dance back in right. rather than be stuck or something. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like it's about treading lightly. Yeah. You know, because it's like when I'm having that conversation with myself about whether I'm going to continue to, you know, binge watch a show, you know, I'll be like, well, you did all this work today. You deserve to veg out. Right. Which is fine. You know, but within what I recognize is like how that affects the quality of my sleep and how that affects my next morning. Mm -hmm. And then an awareness comes that I'm not giving myself something by doing that. Right. Like yeah. I think that I'm I'm giving myself something like like the idea of like a cheat day, right? Like if you have a specific diet and you have a cheat day, mm -hmm. it's like, well, what's your ultimate goal? Like what are you cheating? Right. Right. You're, you're, right. Cheating, you're cheating yourself. <laughs> right. right. And that's not to say that you have to have a standard of being per perfect and like trying to do everything a certain way, because there certainly is an ebb and flow and there are seasons to everything. But I think there are ways that are probably more productive or more constructive or more nurturing, you know, to, yeah. to quote unquote, veg out or whatever, you know. So I think it's just a refinement process of like understanding what those things are and being open to trying new things to see like yes. what is most in alignment and what is most nurturing and then being in the process of integrating those behaviors, which, which is a process, you know? Process, yes. And do you notice though sometimes too, Dijon, like we can be looking at it and wondering and trying new things. And then suddenly it'll be a few weeks or a few months later and we'll look back and we've, it somehow has evolved and transitioned and we played a role, but there's also for me, when I 
it's this, again, I guess I'm really just standing in the paradox of things. It's a balance of my awareness and intentionality and being open to some new adjustments and also totally surrendering. Yeah. So that I get myself out of the way. So I've been enjoying that. Like, and I think that's something that I feel like is helpful while we're in Corona times is to like look back and see like how far we've come each week. Like, look how much has happened and transcended, whatever it is, whether we look at this whole couple months or the past couple weeks, I think it's like easy for us all to want to be getting forward or we're so much is showing up for us. Mm. And I, I don't know, have you been experiencing like some grace when you look back and actually see the progress you've made or how things have shifted? Yeah, totally. And I, Mira, I totally agree with what you're saying. And that's, you know, I've been studying hermetic philosophy recently, which is like of the teachings of Thoth. And, yes. and one of them is that just like all truths are half truths, right? Because, because there's always, there's always the opposite that is true. Like you, you need the masculine <laughs> qualities, which are, you know, structure and like action and, you know, intentionality and will. And you also need all the feminine qualities of like receptivity and surrender and grace and all of that because they interplay with each other. And that's what this experience is about is the interplay. Like that's what yes. this conversation is about. Like yes. it's an interplay of like perspective that you get to see certain reflections and then say, oh, okay, cool. Like, yeah, that's how that applies to this situation or that's mm -hmm. the right thing right now. And for me, definitely. Like I've experienced this outpouring of like creativity over this time, mm. which has been really amazing. And, you know, I've done, I don't know how many podcasts, maybe 20 and like started doing digital art and like made music videos and like all this stuff, which has been really beautiful. And it's also been, I felt like overwhelmed at times and, you know, just so much pouring through and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I think part of it is like having attachment to what happens with it, oh, right. right? Like being like, oh, you know, this is the greatest piece of art I've ever made. Like this is mm -hmm. what's going to make me whatever. And it's like, nothing's going to make me whatever because I already am that. Yes. Right? Oh, oh, yes. And oh. Oh. what other people respond to it has nothing to do with me. Like it. Right. The experience yeah. of it is me being in communion with my creative life force mm -hmm. and being in the play of like making something. Yes. Yes. Right? Well, this has been another theme of my day to day and with a few other clients that it's the fourth step of the fourfold way of not being attached to the outcome. But what I've been really practicing during Corona and I've brought it into the dialogues I have with people around money and I've brought it into my creative process, like how I'm showing up to writing and creating events and different things. And the fourfold way is, show, is first show up, two, pay attention, three, tell the truth, and four, don't be attached to the outcome. Mm. And it's so simple and it's so dynamic. It's so straightforward and it's so complex. So <laughs> I've been, I hear you, I hear that in what you're saying of like 
so much you're showing up, you're paying attention, so much is coming through, like you're being kind of true to yourself and your authenticity and your creativity. And then the last piece of not being attached to the outcome is huge. And but it's the very thing that brings us back to ourselves, like you just said so amazingly, that like, wait a minute, I already am that. I already am like this this is my role is just to keep letting this cycle of life and creation come through me, or at least that's right. how I see it. Yeah, I that's exactly it, you know, and letting go of the idea that there's something more that you need to feel complete. Right. Yeah. And yeah. focus your energy on appreciating what you already have, you know, which is, which is how things expand gratitude and appreciation. Then yeah. we wake up the next day and it's like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's been a, it's been a beautiful time to awaken even more. And I feel like the experience you had is a, is an initiation and I know I've had my share of initiations and you know it's interesting how it happens just before the corona happens because as a human species we're having this collective initiation and I feel like there's certain people that have been tasked to lead in that time by like being able to empathize with other people's experience and like, so they know, they know what it's like to have your life shut down and you have to like go inward and look at these things. So, you know, you have this personal experience in your microcosm so that you can then hold space for the macrocosm, right? Yes. Yes. Thank you for just seeing it that way. And I really do think, yeah, that, that happened. I went so far in, in the micro and then now macro I really am just authentically and genuinely just inspired, like the definition of inspired. I feel just like the energy, the creation spirit coming through to be hosting a larger conversation and being a co-creator of this movement. And it's on, and it's true. I do like, yeah, thank you. It's so powerful. Help sharing our stories helps us piece them together. And it's, you know, as I say, in money terms, it's like something that felt could feel like a liability, right? had me out, it had me down, it had it was this whole thing, is becoming an asset because it's like empowered me to be in my own transformation to hold space with others and have, like you said, have that, wow, have that compassion. And I have been quarantined for like three months. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we're all itching to be able to connect in the ways that we're used to. And I recognized that, you know, I was reading Young Pueblo's book oh, in, yeah. Inward this morning. And like one of the things, one of the poems is just like, you know, we can only connect with others to the degree that we've connected with ourselves. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, so, yes. you know, you've been quarantined for three months and you're, <sighs> and you're like, oh, I'm ready to like live my life. Right. But in this time and in your time of facing this, your ability to connect with yourself has like deepened mm. so yeah. much and you've excavated things that were 90% done, but there was still that 10% that was like waiting to be yeah. cleared. And then if you've done this work, like just imagine what your experience of connection is going to be like oh. on the other side of this, yeah. you know, and that's, that's yeah. all of us, right? That's like yeah. an invitation to all of us yes. to, to go deeper inward to create a different external reality. Yes. Yeah. And I do feel, I mean, this has been said by a few people and and it resonates with me that 
we're really deep that this is even though we're all on zoom all the time and we're connecting virtually or we're spending a lot of time inward we are deepening and cultivating the spiritual technology Be because the physical has been taken away i do feel like i'm feeling and allowing and honoring and recognizing the inherent connection i have with you with people with each other like we're we're invited to like feel and sense each other because we can't physically Right. And of course there's limitation and it's challenging, but the limitation is opening up the doors for other things and this will switch. So I do, this will, you know, mix up into something new, all new altogether after this. But I do, I do feel that deepened relationship with myself and I do feel like it has opened up profoundly those avenues and pathways that maybe wouldn't have existed if, you know, they would have come along some way. But for me personally, maybe they wouldn't have existed if I hadn't, you know, if I didn't cultivate those new pathways within myself with myself, like it might not have, you know, that's just the way that it happened to kind right. of come out and now have these new external pathways. Yeah. I, I, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's just like cultivating this, this unconditional loving relationship with life where, it's not like you're spiritual bypassing or being a Pollyanna and be like, oh, everything's great all the time. But right. recognizing that in the darkness is an opportunity. Like there's an opportunity that maybe you don't understand right when it's happening and maybe you have to feel it and, and sludge through it. But you have yes. a certain sort of trust in life that life is simply trying to create more yes. life within you. you yes. Know? Yes. So I would love to, I feel like we got so much, so many gems in that. And I would love to zoom out mm -hmm. and hear some about your story, like about like where you grew up, you know, and where your, what your relationship with your mom was like when you were a kid and mm -hmm. what your path was to mm -hmm. getting to this point. Cause I feel mm -hmm. like that would kind of bring it full circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, I grew up, well, I was born in Portland, Oregon, <laughs> but when I was three, I moved to the Bay area. So I grew up in Concord and Walnut Creek, which is on the, in the Bay East Bay. And, um, I lived there till I was in, you know, till I went away to college, I went to Santa Barbara, but my relationship with my family and everything was really, you know, I have a feeling you relate to this. It was so wonderful. It was wonderful in the sense of love and family and support. And what always is there for me is that I was always kind of on my own journey, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, cosmically. So my st story is one of me when I was 12, 13, getting books on Hinduism and Buddhism and Judaism and wondering what my religion was because we'd, I didn't have one and questing for what my belief system was, which you know, led me to pursue all sorts of avenues. I, I can go into those, but, you know, I became a, a self-chosen Christian, very liberal, you know, on the path of unconditional love for 10 years. And so that, that was different than my family, just as an example, since you asked like about my relationship, but my family supported every choice I made, but I did not make the choices that they made or that they would have made from the beginning. So yeah. And then 
you know, my story continued where I went, I went to California Institute of Integral Studies for graduate school. And that's when I really converged all, all of the belief systems I'd come across and East meets West and all of that. But I won't go too much forward into my, Wait, can I, can I ask a question about something? Yeah. Okay. So you grew up in the Bay area and you were saying you felt like you were making like different choices and you were in some ways cut from a different cloth in your family. Mm-hmm. What about your community and friends? Like, did you find resonance with people when you were mm-hmm. younger that, you know, you felt like were kind of different also, or what was that like? Mm. You know, I had one best friend. So I always had a lot of friends, but I had friends that were all part of different groups. So like I, I had a group, but that was never like, you know, in high school and middle school, you have like your, there's like groups and like circles and clicks. That's funny. I haven't even talked about my group, but that's like a phrase from middle school. So I always connected with people in different, from different parts of life. Like I had my athletic friends and I had my kind of intellectual friends and I had my friends that were sort of math geeks like me. And I had like my yogi, I started yoga in high school. So I always had, and I had just friends that were like, seemed random, but we really connected on something creative or artistic. And that has been my entire life story, Dijon. I have always had that. And I, I struggle with like, sometimes when I look at other people's lives, right? What we think we know, or when I, I, I feel sort of sad that I don't have like this group of like my 10 friends from high school or my 10 friends from college or my 10 friends that we've grown up together and we've you know, stayed together as this neat pack. And, you know, I'd be curious your comments on this, but like, or, but I've, when I hear clients talk about this too, cause I think we attract people like us. Like I have a lot of people come into my life that share this same experience when they share about their life. And I sort of think that it's, I've just, no, I just, I guess to answer your question, I never really, I didn't really ever fit in. And it was because I think I had so many different aspects to myself. I don't know. I never really fit in. That's my answer. I didn't really ever fit in. Mm. I was, I was kind of an intellectual nerd. I was an athlete and I was also kind of like into yoga. I was all these parts and I never really found people that I matched with on multiple levels. And I would say that hasn't really been until more recently. Like that has been a challenge for me in my whole life. Like I have a cousin who lives with me who I, when I was six, I have a cousin who's 20 years older than me. I was, we completely saw each other, like saw each other on like a, you know, off planet level, like, you know, soul level. And I followed her around and we did art together and dressed up and had ongoing conversations. And she spoke to me like I was an adult and that I was a being, you know, she didn't speak to my personality and I think that's what really drew me to her. And it's funny, she's actually here and lives with me now in New York, you know, fast forward 30 years later, we're like best friends and soul fam and we'll have, you know, or we'll be in a larger family together as time goes on. So those people are really special when I come across them for me and it means a lot to me and I, I hope to have more of that. But that's, my life has been one of like one-off friendships here and there with on different levels. Hmm. Yeah, I can, I can relate to what you're saying in that I feel like I've had a lot of deep connections, but they've also been shifting a lot. And sometimes that feels like painful in some way that I don't have the consistency, yeah. but I also 
recognize that like if i feel stagnancy in something then i it really doesn't feel good and i want to keep yeah. the energy moving and mm -hmm. i've also had several people that i've connected with years ago that i haven't talked to for years that will somehow reconnect and mm -hmm. you know it's like no time has passed wow right yeah. and it's just totally. like totally i can see how i'm learning different things from like each relationship and each reflection mm -hmm. and people you know just show me things that that i'm there to integrate right and and it's ultimately just like for me feeling like a deepening of of knowledge of self yeah right and i uh. and i feel like i signed up to have a very fully expressed experience of yeah. my beingness in this lifetime mm -hmm. which requires a lot of different reflections and like yes. relationships to practice intimacy in so yeah that's just my way of of relating to it because it you know sometimes i'll feel sad about it and then other times i'm like man look at all the amazing experiences i've had you know right definitely and that's you know i mean just to go sort of quantum for a moment or you know i when we look at things i think non-linearly like when i reflect from here on my life i see it like similar to how you described i can see my soul or you know having touched and engaged with so many different dynamics and people and aspects and if it is all reflections it's like i see that i've sort of was engaging with all more dimensions of myself mm. And I think it's a very linear perspective I take on when it's painful that sort of looks at it like, why am I not like everybody else? And, you know, but that's just looking at it through like the window of time of like that chapter and the way it went. But what you just brought up around a person coming into your life again for a moment or a season or more from previously shows how it's such a bigger dance. Like there's such a larger weaving together of relationships and aspects of ourselves and moments in time that are beyond. Mm. And actually, Dijon, that's the, I pulled a card uh, for today and knowing that we were speaking and had a few other conversations and the theme for today, it was revisit. I'll send you a photo of the card later. And it was all about like revisiting other moments of our life and bringing them into the now and, and this reminder that like, what was there is something in, in this now and not to get like too you know ph philosophical but when i remember and feel it like it's all happening now it's it goes back to just me feeling separated is the only reason those moments ever feel painful mm. or if i feel like i have that mm. tribe but when i look at it from a whole it's like this beautiful tapestry of these different moments and these different relationships and and i really welcome when people come back into life. And I think, I, I hope that, I guess I'm just sharing that now in my life. I hope that there's some, I mean, I'm sensing relationships and new things kind of coming in from other chapters. There's like an integration happening. Yeah, I feel that too. It's, it's, I think it goes back to that unconditional trust in life that it's, I'm learning to practice more and more, you know, that everything is happening and it's divine time. And I also pulled a Kuan Yin card the other day that was just like, you know, every a gift is being brought to you. Like, just be patient. You know, like everything is happening the way it should. Just, okay. and I was just like, ah, yeah, okay, <laughs> I can, I, I can relax, right? Because the lack of rela relaxation is is like what blocks things. 
right? right. We restrict and try yeah. to control it. Okay, so you were at CIS studying. What were you studying there in the Bay? I did integral counseling psychology for a couple of years, which is like transpersonal psychology. Mm-hmm. And then I switched and I also did East-West psychology. And that's what I graduated in and got my master's for. But what East-West psychology is, was really like spiritual, like the psychology of spirituality and really integrating spirit, our spirit with our psyche. And it consisted of, you know, me being trained in spiritual counseling, also a lot of practicing with plant medicine and meditations. I went on a 14-day vision quest as one of my courses. So the East-West, so my IC, my time in the psychology program was very much going into the depths of understanding my psychology and everyone's around me. <laughs> but then the East-West was like bringing the spirituality to life, like like by being alone for 14 days in the woods. <laughs> mm, mm. That was your own mini quarantine. <laughs> yes. I feel like that prepared me truly to be alone. I was so scared going into that vision quest. To, it was the first time I was going to be, my fear was to be alone with my thoughts and mm. not have anything because to go on a vision quest, you don't have, you, you're with people the first week and the last week, but there's five days in the middle. I went, chose a piece of land by myself with no one in sight, and all you could have is a sleeping bag and a gallon of water a day. So no shelter, no cell phone, no food, fasting. So during this, the thing I was scared of the most, I mean, I was, I was afraid of wild animals. Like what, you know, this was in private land in Mendocino. There's everything from bobcats to coyotes and anything, snakes. Um, bugs, <laughs> but what I was actually scared of is like, it's so interesting to look back. Cause I don't have this fear now, but I was afraid of like how to be by myself for that long. I was afraid of my own thoughts. Mm. It's not wild. I can't even, it's, that was me then though. That was me four years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a, and I was, I did have go into a lot of thinking and it was really challenging. That was an experience. Uh, I mean, I'd love to tell you a moment about it, or at least what the theme for that was for me was. So I went deep into this inquiry of a couple experiences that were going on in my life. And I was tormented by my own thoughts of thinking one thing and excusing something and trying to be okay with something, but I wasn't. And I was in, and I, Dijon, where I chose to be was by this water under this tree that was like mosquito infested, but it was safe. So I chose a piece of land that I was protected by a tree I felt and I was by water, which just somehow felt calming and it was sort of secluded, but it was completely like mosquitoes were everywhere. But I, did, I didn't choose to be like out in the open or in a grassy meadow into the sun where I could see the moon. I wanted that protection. And so I spent three or four nights fasting with my, just my sleeping bag, like hitting mosquitoes off me the entire time. Like... So basically think like PTSD responses, like ongoing reactions in mm. the body. Mm-hmm. So I went deep into that and to come out in my message at the end. So after four days, we come out and the, the, our, the faculty person and my dear friend who was the wilderness guide, Ishtar, she's, she was standing at the threshold where they welcomed us back because 
they really, we really treated that experience like we were, we kind of forgo, we forgave the world. We were just like kind of in our spirit form. We weren't having to worry about anything in the world. Like we had a team that was there taking care of everything at like the home base. So as we crossed this log and with sage and bells and whistles and chants to come back to this dimension and back to our lives here, what I came back saying was, this is not okay with me. And I came back having accessed rage and clarity of like a slew of things. And one key thing in particular that was no longer okay with me. And I had, and I, we sat in the integration circle and, and people shared these beautiful stories of like deers came and slept next to them at night, you know, like night after night, reminding them of their dear nature, right? And other women had these beautiful experiences with their moon cycles and wanting to become a mother and how they engaged with their blood. I came back having gone into trauma, having had a horrible time, like swapping mosquitoes off me the whole time to proclaim for the first time out loud ever in my life, I said to the group of 14 people, this is not okay with me. And I yelled it and I was enraged and I like, flailed like into the center of the circle mm. to like demonstrate like it was just what I needed to do. Mm. And I, I, and I started this journey that weaves all the way to, to today in New York city of like consciously uncoupling with everything in my life. That's not, wasn't okay with me. And it's not okay. And seeing all these places where I was tolerating or excusing and not making those things good or bad. It was all about me being with things that I wasn't okay with mm -hmm. that I thought I had to justify, or I thought I had to explain, or that I thought I had to accept. So I, and I ended within a few months of relationship. I stopped eating meat. I moved from the Bay area from living in a place that I didn't like. And I felt lonely to fast forward six months ago. I did a talk on this about hashtag break up with your bank. So I went from like breaking up with a relationship, moving out of the Bay Area, stopped eating meat, and then breaking up with my bank. Because I'm like, my bank invests, Chase Bank invests all this money in fossil fuels. It's just not okay with me. Like I have my energy and support and like I'm connecting to that. I'm supporting that. I'm sending a signal of okayness and it's not okay with me. Mm. <sighs> That's incredibly powerful. <laughs> Yeah. So four days in the woods and I, and you know, I reflect back on that. I'm like, you know, they call it like, what is it called? A Warshire test or something? Like when you, if you put a blot of water or anything. R Rorschach test. Yes. You can see something right about mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what like where you choose to be in a vision quest was like, right. It was like a snapshot of my psyche. Like that's where I was at. I was like, I wanted to be safe at the expense of myself mm -hmm. and it's safe. Like, see, you know, safe is like not safe, you know? And so, it, I mean, I'm, and we were told when we went into that vision quest said that it's treated almost like a medicine ceremony or something really deep that will be, you'll be unpacking for the rest of your life. And I literally, Dijon, I, it almost like I know where it resides. Like it's this potent download I received that like I take more, more comes to me as I'm ready to digest it and integrate it. Cause it was so massive, you know, like a, psychedelic experience would be or something. Mm. And so it's constantly informing me and reminding me even right now of what it feels like to be in alignment with ourselves and not, not participating in things that aren't out of fear, out of obligation, out of not trusting myself, out of fear of the unknown, 
I had all those at play and it was a huge breakthrough, which I'm feeling so thankful for now telling you about it. Like being out in nature, just totally disconnected from phones from, I mean, fasting is always powerful, I think, but being in nature and having it reflect myself back to me that clearly, Mm. I mean, whoa, I honestly feel like I'd say it saved me. I don't believe in something saving you, but I feel like nature restored me. Mm. It restored me back into this journey of like jolting back into this, you know, lifetime path of remembering my wholeness. Wow. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. Yeah. It's a rich, a rich life. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that really is my highest passion now is being in alignment as a lifelong practice. And I think it's the thing I forget the most is like that I have to do anything that's out of alignment, whatever it is. And I think that's why my passion burns so strong around like we think, I, I, I think, I'll just speak for me, but I feel it as a collective that like we have to bend in this weird position or not be ourselves to be in this economy or to generate the income we need, or to earn a living, as Buckmeister Fuller says, you know, like we have to give away with that notion of people having to earn a living. Because what that really says is like, we have to prove our worth. But like, what if, you know, what if there's an innovations and different things in technology where it can bring billions of dollars in a second into a whole region? And then that whole area, gardeners can garden, teachers can teach, mothers can be mothers, artists can be artists ever. We don't all need to do all the same things. Like, you know, so I'm just so passionate about that because I just so feel in my body as I'm talking to you around that moment coming out of my quest and coming away from that site, the power in alignment and the power of feeling that and going through the, the jungle of detaching and releasing and shedding in time and in our own timing and our own, you know, beautiful processes of coming back into that realignment. Hmm. I'm having this vision of your soul at like the top of a mountain peak, like looking at the sunset and Mm. having ascended this very like treacherous height. Hmm to get to the top of this peak and it's like, why, why did we do it? Like, it was so hard, you know, like, why did we take the time? And it's like, because it's beautiful at the peak and the air is clear. Mm. And then when you're ready, you go down so that you can climb another one. Oh, oh, I got the chills. I know, I know. And then we get up to the, I know. And then we're like, wait, why did we do that? Oh yeah. Okay. Going in again. I'll see you on the other side. Yeah. I know it. I know it. Oh my gosh. I know. I know right now in this moment. Hmm. Well, I think that feels complete to me. A lot of richness and beauty there. And thank you very much for sharing your soul and sharing all these stories. 
My pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you. And Mira also has a very powerful movement that she's shepherding. And it's about teaching people how to be in alignment with all aspects of their being and bring that into the financial realm, which I think is of huge relevance at this time, especially as we're trying to like rebuild the economy and rebuild it in a way that's sustainable and fair, you know, and that creates prosperity for everyone. So we'll have to talk about that another time. I have another podcast called Awakening Greatness, Awakening Genius, I'm sorry. And I think that Mira could be a great guest on that, expound upon her financial mastery. I would love it. Yes, absolutely. To be continued in the field of time. (laughs) Yeah. So before we sign off, do you have anything you want to share about how people can connect if they feel inspired and want to reach out? Yes. Well, I think the easiest way is you could go to my website, which is financier.com. And you can send me a message there. There's actually an ask the financier part and you could just send me a note or something you're interested in. And I'd love to communicate with you. Uh, Or you can even join the movement there, which just means join the conversation and you'll get notified of different events and things coming up and ways to connect. And of course, I'm going to be sharing a lot more on Instagram. So I would love to connect with people there too. My Instagram handle is Mira Megs Lathrop. And I'll be posting about what we'll probably talk about in the future, but about the next sacred economy and what that can look like and how we participate and contribute in that individually and as a collective. So I would, and it's all just one big conversation. Wonderful. So I'll get those notes from Mira and then put them in the show notes so that you can see those links and connect with you if you feel inspired. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that episode. This is what we're all about at Souls of Society. If you feel inspired right now, share this with one of your friends. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. And most importantly, embody your soul by living in your heart. It's our time. It's our time for harmony, togetherness, and peace. Much love.